the football team. It was nice to get together with everybody, and then we got a great game delivered. So, I mean, that's all you could really ask for from it, right? At quarterback, I'm curious, because this is a question we'll dive into deeper on the show, but as a quarterback, do you just watch Patrick Mahomes, and I mean, I don't want to say you, you marvel like the rest of us, but I mean, he's, he plays your spot, and yet you see what he's been able to do ever since he came into the league, what he did on Sunday. Does does it ever cease to amaze you in just how good he is in big moments? No, it doesn't, and I'm a Brady guy through and through. Like That was who I you know grew up since I was little watching. That I can't even remember a time you know since Brady's played in the early 2000s. I was right when I was born. I can't remember football without Brady, but... Well, I would say the same thing about Brady if he went out and did you know, what Patrick Mahomes did. Is, is that's just what Brady does. And now we've gotten to the point where that's just what Mahomes does. That's the type of player he is, and, and he gets it done in those type of situations, and there's really no more explanation needed than that. So as a quarterback sitting there watching, you can just look at the guy and say he finds a way to get the job done every single time. At the same time, when you watch a guy like Brock Purdy, do you see yourself more in a guy like Purdy than you do Mahomes? You tell me. Yeah, maybe, just because you know I think I'm probably more of a conventional player than you know unconventional and I think that Mahomes does some different things that not a lot of quarterbacks can do so yeah I see myself in Purdy but I see a lot of really good things in Purdy too and then there's certain times where you can just see the discrepancy you know Purdy's not going to be Mahomes um, and that's okay it's true Uh, game wise it was a terrific football game Uh, we talked a lot about it yesterday I mean some people we took a lot of calls from from callers yesterday about this and uh, Adrian I feel like most of the people that we spoke to all felt the same way. They all felt like San Francisco had their chances. The miscues hurt them. Um, I, I do still find it hard to believe that the team did not really know what the overtime rules were going to be about for the for the Super Bowl. I want to ask you a question about that. Did Kyle Shanahan come out and say anything about that as far as like yep. not like he didn't know? So what he said was was that the coaches knew, but he wasn't aware of the fact that the coaches didn't communicate it to the players. So he knew what the rules were, though. He knew what the rules were. The other coaches knew what the postseason overtime rules were. But he just said that, you know what, they, they didn't realize that they never mentioned the rules to the players. Wow. Wow. That's, I mean, that's shocking. Just because, I mean, there's, there's a certain level of detail that you go over in certain segments of practice throughout the week. And when you go I, I, all the you know, time in the playoffs, like that's the type of things that football teams practice. You practice two-minute drill. You practice certain situations within a two-minute drill. And then overtime and things yeah. like that, those are the type of things that are practiced. That shocks me that that wasn't overly communicated. And if he says he knew the overtime rules, um, the decision does shock me to take the ball first. Meanwhile, uh, Chiefs players said that they were discussing back in August the overtime situation and what they would do uh, in a in a spot like they were in on Sunday. So it's just interesting how you have two exactly opposite uh, sides of this particular discussion. One group was watching the video board and learning the rules on the fly. The others said that not only were they aware, but they were talking about it before the season even started. Right, and what I, you know, I saw this morning, I was watching some stuff, and you know, ultimately the decision allowed for Patrick Mahomes to have four downs to go down the field on every single set of downs in order to get the job done is really what it came down to. Um, and that, that's not something I ever want to bet on is Patrick Mahomes with four downs to go. Now, Shanahan did say today that um, they were looking into overtime before the playoffs. That was what they said. Now, um, it is interesting, you know, 
that the the rules, by the way, were from March of 2022. So apparently, this was the third season of the new overtime rules. I didn't realize that. I thought I really thought that the touchdown match was a year or two old. I didn't realize this was the third year. So the, of that the game the between the Chiefs and the Bills that this kind of fostered and came from was two years ago or three years ago. Three years ago, three years I guess ago? now. Yeah. Wow. That's it's hard to believe, isn't it? It is. So um, that, yeah, each team gets a possession regardless of what the team with the ball does, um, unless it's the defensive score. But what's interesting is the Niners haven't been involved in an overtime postseason game in the last three years. So for them, they've never had this situation come up until uh, it it did on Sunday. So um, it is interesting. Um, Shanahan said today he had laid out a plan with his staff before the playoffs began said he instructed his assistant coaches to let the team know before the overtime period started, but did not feel the need to discuss that plan with his team before that point. That's, that's shocking to me. Just because when you get inside, you know, behind the scenes in the film room and these, and these meeting rooms where you start talking about things, like everything in football is so overly communicated. We talk about it over and over again and you go through plays and you go through scenarios and what the coach wants you to think and how you should think in certain situations and all that is only heightened at the next level i mean yeah. you, you you get behind the scenes and you see all these you know shows and stuff where uh players and and coaches specifically quarterbacks and coaches and head coaches like are are spe- they're finishing each other's sentences kind of thing and then to hear something like that it is it is quite shocking i was going to ask you i mean this is that you you just finished your second full year at utap you're starting year number three so really, this is more for a Dana Dimmel question versus the new staff, because you're just now starting to really digest what Scotty Walden and his staff are going to do. But in the two years you were here prior to that, do you felt like you were pretty much in a spot where you had almost every scenario mapped out? There was nothing that you ever felt you, you never felt unprepared because you've told us it was one of the most complex offenses you've ever been around. And part of the reason why sometimes get the snap off is sometimes they would get changed at the line of scrimmage and there were just a lot of things of a lot of intricate pieces with that offense that you had to grasp yes absolutely and and yes you're right this is definitely more of a Dana Dimmel offense kind of question but I think that definitely like if if that staff was still here going into this year um, it would be very different as far as like you know mentality and things going because through the two years that you're here, you spend hours and hours a day going over that. Every, I mean, it's just repetition after repetition, and slowly you start to kind of just gel and mesh, and your ways of thought start aligning with the coaching staffs, and then you kind of mesh, and they kind of understand you, you understand them, and you find that middle ground to where you guys start understanding how, how each other thinks, and that's kind of how it flows out onto the field. Um, and that's the same thing that happens across you know all different levels of football. It doesn't matter which, but it's the highest at the NFL where these coaches and these players and these franchises franchise guys really start to understand each other. I think you saw it best um, on Hard Knocks with Nathaniel Hackett and, yeah. and Aaron Rodgers. Like They are really speaking the same language. And the more you go on, the more you get that. So yes, Steve, if, if Coach Dimmel and his staff would have been here, there would have been a, a very heightened sense of comfortability with things. And, and we're instead of you know learning something, we're talking about mastering something at that point. Um, but you know that's just 
part of the part of the thing of going through football years and years with a coach. Well, I'll ask you. I'll push back just a little bit, Cade, because I can remember one instance in particular. Uh, I know that this rule was a, a recent rule change, twenty twenty three. It had it in college football, the consecutive timeout rule, and that happened this year with UTEP football. They called timeout uh, timeout on a consecutive occasion, and that ended up uh, costing them a penalty. So I'm curious with all these rule changes, how does that trickle down into a situation to where head coaches know this, they're aware of this all the time, and players are aware of this all the time. It just it doesn't have to be the overtime rule. It could be other rules just like this one. Right, right. And I think I think to best answer your question is like I would argue that the uh, the timeout thing was a little bit more um, um, impromptu and and you know out of the blue um, and maybe just more of a mistake on our part as as UTEP football players. Whereas I feel like the overtime rule change for the NFL was much more like procedure driven. It was more blatant and and kind of out in the open, and it was a big deal. Whereas it's very, I feel like it would be easier to kind of mess something up like the timeout rule, where you accidentally get into a situation and your you know initial reaction is oh my gosh timeout timeout you know to make sure we don't move back five yards or something bad doesn't happen on a play whereas overtime rules seem more strategic to me planned out beforehand and things like that but you make a good point now i said uh really since sunday and and i said this right when it happened when i was watching the game and i've repeated it uh here on this show and on the fm show as well when i come on that program that i had no problem with san francisco getting the ball first in overtime i know some people feel like let mahomes score then you know exactly what you need to do you have to score and possibly go for two if you want to win the game or go into double overtime and and tie it Uh, my attitude is on with a guy like purdy where you know that the weight of the season will be on his shoulders no matter what why would you want to give him the uh, even more of a uh, stress knowing if a team like KC comes down and scores give him a chance to come down loose not as much pressure try to score first and then put the pressure on Mahomes which to me if, if, if we're dealing with Purdy five or six years in the league I have no problem if they deferred and gave KC the ball but considering first Super Bowl who he's going up against second year in the league overtime I thought that actually the right call for San Francisco was to get the ball first so that he could try to go down and score, not wait to see what Kansas City would do. Give me your take on that situation. Here's my take. My, my initial take when I was standing there watching it, I was uh, sitting there with Kevin Hurley and Marcus Bellin from the team, and we're kind of talking about it, and, and some other guys were there too. Um, but it kind of came down to this is just not a good situation for the San Francisco 49ers. Like once you get into overtime with Patrick Mahomes and the chiefs, I just feel like you're already at a huge disadvantage, but I had the same take as you um, at the very beginning. I thought, you know what? They're going to, they trust their defense. They're going to go down. I don't like as much the idea of having Purdy have the weight of the season to go drive down, you know, make these plays at the end of the game, as opposed to the mentality of getting the ball first, running the system, right? having a true offense with as much time as you need to go down and execute how they have all season. Mm -hmm. That was my first initial reaction. And then in hindsight, obviously, you know, it's easy to be a a Monday morning quarterback and say, well, you should have done this, 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 and that. But I think going back, I think I would have gone on defense first simply because 
you want to be able to control your own narrative as much as you possibly can. And I think the best way to do that was to go on defense simply because if Patrick Mahomes goes down and they get a third down, then at least they're in the predicament of having to kick a field goal or not. And you know, it's, it's, you know, the whole reason to take defense is to know what you need to do. And I think that's what the 49ers should have done. That way they have the options. They can pull out all the tricks in their tool bag. Um, you know, the third down that was in, in the red zone for the 49ers, they ran a similar play that we had last year. It was called Blade. And it was basically a stop pivot route. I think they ran to Jawan Jennings. And then it was, you know, incomplete. But Brandon Ayuk was wide open on the post backside. Things like that happen down in the red zone. I mean, it's tight quarters. There's blitzes going on. Sometimes you don't have time for that kind of stuff. If you have another fourth down play to run right there because you know you have to go score a touchdown, I really do like the 49ers' odds. Um, and I think that at the end of the day, you know, it was kind of a coin flip. Uh, they, they chose the wrong thing, in my opinion, and it, yeah. and it came back to bite them. Yeah, it did. All right, we've got a lot more to talk about here with Cade. So if you want to get into the show, we've got lines available right now. 505-6009. Just getting going on a Tuesday. Let's go to Charlie One. Get our first traffic update of the afternoon back here on sports talk 20 past the hour right now 505-6009 our telephone number that's 505-6009 get you right on in and through to the program looking at some of the messages coming in on social twitter and x esteban steve you missed my point yesterday so allow me to elucidate oh wow big words from esteban Wow. Big, big word. I like that. Um, At the most fundamental level, all quarterbacks are game managers. Then there's the exceptional ones that go above and beyond. This was in response to his message on yesterday's show. And yesterday's show was, all quarterbacks are game managers by default. Last night, Mahomes did a good job managing the game. That was the because we were talking about how I thought Purdy is more of a game manager than Mahomes, and what Esteban is saying is that all quarterbacks are game managers, but some just go above and beyond that role to doing what guys like Mahomes can do. And, I, you know, I agree with this to a certain extent, and it's more really what it comes down to is like yes, all quarterbacks in the NFL are game managers, and that is the job. Like that is literally the job of a quarterback is to be an elite game manager. Can you make sure? That 11 guys are on the same exact page doing not just you know what they're supposed to do, but the right thing that's going to work against the defense and making sure that everybody has everything squared away while understanding what the 11 guys in front of you that are trying to stop you from doing that, what everybody's doing. What he's saying, and, and, and I've had conversations with people about this before too, is when he's talking about the above and beyond, really what people talk about now is just playmaking, like athletic ability and playmaking, whether that's arm talent, whether that's speed, um, whether that's extending plays and things like that that's kind of what people are getting at where every every quarterback in the NFL manages the game and makes sure that you know everybody is on the same page but the people that are able to do the extraordinary things that's where they talk about above and beyond the question that I raise is like you know I don't think that I think Brady had an exceptional arm I think that people you know they don't talk about him like they do Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes as far as like arm strength or Justin Herbert things like that but I think that Brady had an exceptional arm and and was obviously wonderful at putting the ball in places like was Brady just a game manager no because he wasn't you know because he because he wasn't athletic right Trent Dilfer was a game manager when he won the Super Bowl for Baltimore that to me is what it is it's when you go out there you don't do anything spectacular but you don't screw up either 
you run the offense well, you get up and down the field, you make the plays when you need to, but you're not shining where you're doing something that will you know, necessarily win you a game, so to speak. I agree with that 100%. And I don't think that Brady was just a game manager just because he's not athletic, you know what I mean? But by like today's terms, a lot of people say, well, you know, like Lamar Jackson is not a game manager, people yeah. are going to say, because he can extend plays and, and run around and do things like that, even though he still manages the game, you know, very well. And that's what led to him having an MVP season. And so, you know, people, that's why I bring it back to the Brady thing, because people are like, well, you know, then, well, he's not a game manager. Well, by your guys' terms, you know, sometimes, sometimes yeah. he is just because he's not athletic. Um, but I think that's kind of where people get it, get it twisted. But yes, I do agree with his tweet there. Well, I mean, look, look, Montana wasn't a game manager. He made big play after big play, and that's why he won all the Super Bowls with San Francisco. Purdy on Sunday, though, I thought he was more of a game manager because he threw for one touchdown pass, did not throw any interceptions, didn't really scramble much at all in that game, didn't take a ton of sacks either, but but it was almost like he did everything he needed to, but you never really felt like Purdy went above and beyond on Sunday, whereas Mahomes just took it upon himself to make sure that Kansas City was able to win that football game. He does those things. You know, that's just that's what he's able to uh, able to do as a QB. My fear for a guy like Brock Purdy is in terms of perception is like what is he going to have to do in order to like escape the title of game manager? Because, you know, I mean, what's it going to take him going 40 for 40 with 400 yards and then th- like that's not going to happen with the 49ers because of the type of offense they run. Like that's not the answer. And so everyone wants to put the negative stigma on game manager, but I would argue that in a team like the 49ers, the most elite game manager would actually be better. I would even go as far as to say as like having somebody like Lamar Jackson in the 49ers offense might not be the best answer for that offense because that's not what that offense needs. That offense needs a point guard to get the ball to Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, Kyle Juszczyk, and George Kittle. You know what I mean? I do. So that that's where that's kind of where I stand. Like I think that Brock Purdy fits the 49ers great, and as long as he continues to make great plays and then builds on his on his resume and as he goes gets more mature as a quarterback, he's going to be just fine there. His regular season stats were not game manager like. They were terrific. He was fifth in the league in yards, third in touchdowns, first in QBR. I mean, that those are elite numbers. You know, 31 to 11 touchdown interceptions, that's a 3 to 1 ratio. I'll you'll take that, you know this very well here at UTEP. You will take a 3 to 1 touchdown interception rate any day of the week. Absolutely. And you know what stat matters for quarterbacks the most? Wins and losses. That's a quarterback stat right there. And Brock Purdy's done a great job of winning with this team. I don't care who's around him or who's calling plays or who's who's the head coach. If you can go out there and execute and get the job done, you're doing good enough in the NFL. He also completes at a 70% clip, which to me is huge. Anytime you're in the high 60s to low 70s, those are elite numbers. So think about it. 7 out of 10 completions, 4,280 yards, 31 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. You know, he was sacked 28 times in 16 games, so he sacked less than two times per game. I mean, you know, those are all numbers that make you feel like Brock Purdy can be leading this 49ers team for years. 100%. And this and this comment doesn't take anything away from what you just said, because I think that he can lead this 49ers team for a long time to come. But the only thing that he was missing, and it was apparent in that Super Bowl, and obviously it's a juxtaposition when you put it up next to Patrick Mahomes, but it's just that little X factor of you can't explain it, and you can't define it, and there's not a number to prove it, but being able to get the job done in those moments where it comes down to crunch time. On that play where it was... 
third and goal, and they ran that play where they had Brandon Ayuk with the post, and then they had that blade route ran, the stop and go on the corner right there. Like Those are the type of plays where in the clutch, can you get it done or can you not? And sometimes that just comes with experience. You said something really interesting, though. In the last segment, you said that when that overtime started, the 49ers were already in the hole. Like You felt like KC was going to win that game once overtime began. Now, maybe in a couple of years, you won't feel that way with Purdy at quarterback. But the problem is right now in 2024, Brock Purdy against Patrick Mahomes, there is still a large discrepancy when the game and the season is on the line. There is, and I think there's a large discrepancy between Patrick Mahomes and every other quarterback in the NFL right now. I don't care who you put up next to him, there's a certain level of excellence and, and, and performance that's coming out on the field where when you went into overtime and Patrick Mahomes was leading the Chiefs and I knew that Andy Reid was back there, yeah. when it, the, the play that did it for me, Steve, was this. It was on the drive that Casey went to go score to win, but it was the fourth and one, remember, and they went for it, they ran in a play action where they faked it to Pacheco going to the left. They kind of rolled out and Patrick ended up running for like eight yards for the first down mm-hmm. easy. But it was just one of those where it was like fourth and one, huge play. Here comes the game right here. And it was effortless. It was like we know exactly what play we want to get to. We're going to roll out. We're going to give Patrick every option. We're going to give him a corner route, a flat route, and an option to run. And there just wasn't any stopping it. And that was when it was like, listen, you don't, you don't want to go against the Chiefs right now in overtime because if you have to bet on stopping them, it's not going to go your way. He threw one awful pass in that game. which was picked but other than that he just doesn't make a lot of mistakes that's that's the whole idea of quarterback and that's why I think that Brock Purdy's done so good this year because he hasn't made a lot of mistakes the fewer mistakes you make as a quarterback the better off your team's going to be completions win games protect the football don't turn the ball over that's all the things you hear all the time and and Patrick Mahomes does it better than anybody right now 28 past as we continue here on Sports Talk. Let's get back to the phones. Pinky is going to join us next on the lines. Hi, Pinky. Welcome to the program. Hey, uh, good afternoon. Great listening to you guys. I like always, like I always do every day. Hey, um, you guys stole a little bit of my thunder right now. Don't you think that the play calling from the bench also comes down to the ability of the quarterback or he does? They don't want to make him make decisions to where he forces a play when he throws the ball or or whatever. I, that's my, my point of view. That's what I saw, I saw all year long was uh, they, were, they were calling plays to where they used his ability to the max, where he didn't have to really scramble. And when he did, he did really good scramble about Purdy. But that, I'm talking about him. But there's other quarterbacks that played to the ability of their team, like Kitna. When he was with Baltimore, he was not a great quarterback, but he played within himself and within the team. And, of course, having a great defense helps. Let's talk but about that me, for a know, second. That's a good, a good point, Picky. Thoughts on playing within your comfort zone and not trying to make you into somebody you're not. I think that Thank more you. I think that more comes not from play calling but that comes as an understanding for yourself. Like for me, I pride myself on, you know, okay, can you go run and get the job done when you need to use your feet? Yes. And do you need to force and try to extend and be Johnny Manziel? No, that's not going to work for you. You have to understand who you are as a quarterback. I don't think that comes from play calling, which was, I think, what Pinky was trying to kind of trying to get at. Is like coaches are calling plays in order to kind of be safe to like cater to their quarterback. I don't think that happens as much because – uh, from all my years of playing football, you can't script how a scramble is going to happen. You don't know what the D line is going to do, how they're going to twist or stunt and do all these type of things. Like a scramble is a very sixth sense feel thing of how can I extend the play. 
coaches are always trying to drop the best play that's going to get executed. I guarantee if you go ask Patrick Mahomes, would you rather drop back, go one, two, three, and put the ball up for Tyreek Hill two years ago, or would you rather scramble around for six seconds and then find Kelsey, you know, wide open for 30 yards down the field? And every single quarterback is going to say, I'd rather have the perfect coverage and go put it up for somebody in, in the, the, the play drawn how I know. So that's kind of my take on it. I don't think it's more play calling. I think it's more of understanding who you are as a quarterback. Good job, Pinky. Oh, man. What's wrong, Pinky? What do you know, man? Oh, what, what? I was going to say, you know, everybody, uh, uh, if you played quarterback like some of us did, they use you to your capability more than anything else. And, and that's what I, I – my job was to turn around and hand the ball off and throw a pass maybe once every, what, 10, 15 plays to – well, maybe. Well, hang on. Maybe you had very limited skills when you quarterbacked Socorro back in the day, and you didn't have the opportunity to really open it up and throw the ball all over the place. Well, it wasn't limited skill. It was limited personnel. Ah, okay. So, in other words, it wasn't on you. It was on your surrounding. You're telling me it's all about your surrounding cast, your teammates. Well, that has a lot to do with it, and I'm not going to put none of my teammates down because they were awesome teammates, and we grew up together all through our careers in school. So, you know, we knew each other really good, but... Sometimes you just play to where you're trying to use the talent that you have the most. And if it's a running game, you use the running game. If it's a passing game, you use the passing game. Adrian, um, is, is Pinky digging himself yeah. a hole, or is he? Uh, or what do you think? What do you think he's doing? Right no, now? I, th- I think we need more uh, player Pinky, uh, you know, thoughts and stuff yeah. like that. I think we need to see it through Pinky's eyes a little bit more, and, and maybe hopefully he played some basketball with Socorro because we got the March Madness NCAA mm-hmm. tournament right around the corner. Yeah, how many sports did you letter in uh, back uh, at Socorro in the '60s? How many sports? When I went to Isleta, I lettered in basketball and football. Okay, so I you mean, you went to Isleta, not Socorro. Baseball. Football and baseball. Football and year. baseball. Okay. Eddie Sledder. Eddie Sledder. And Socorro was football, basketball. Well, we did everything because we were so small. Cross country, track, <laughs> choir. You got it. So he did everything is what you're telling me. So you can well, speak, you, you can speak on a lot. That's right. That's right. What was your and, favorite you know, sport? What was your favorite sport to play? Baseball. And we didn't have it in Socorro at that time because we were too small. Ah, I got you. Makes sense. All right. Good job, Pinky. Appreciate the call. Excellent. 33 past the hour. We'll get to Orly in a moment, but first, right back to Adrian in this Sports Center update. Keep things moving here. I, did you know, did you realize that Pinky was like a, a five sport athlete at East yeah. in Socorro? I, I did not, Steve, but we need to lean on him more for some expertise. We do. We do. I, don't you have a feeling? Don't you feel like Pinky versus Augustine? One's like, you know, they both talk, but. but Pinky probably has pictures to back it up, and Augustine, we're still waiting for those uh, basketball photos. Augustine has zero pictures of him before 20 years old. I know, so. I know. Or before 25, even. That's true. Let's go to Orly. He joins us next. 35 past. Hey, Orly, what's going on? Well, my last call for 40 days. Wait a minute. Uh, tomorrow is uh, the start of it, huh? Ash Wednesday. Oh, I don't know if Cade knows this. So let me explain this. During Lent... Orly gives up calling the show until somebody says something that will drive him crazy, which he has broken Lent a couple of times or over the years. breaking news. Breaking it news is. that Bre- he has to go. Sometimes people, he will get so outraged, he will break his vow. But for the most part, Orly will give up calling this show for 40 days. Wow. I mean. That, that, is, that is a sacrifice. I, it, yeah, it would be a sacrifice for me, too, to not come on the show for 40 days. But I don't know if that would be what I chose to give up. That's, that's, that's a bold move. Orly, would you ever want to give up? Let me ask you this, Orly. And this is a serious question, okay? 
Could you ever think of giving up something else besides calling the show for 40 days that would definitely be a good substitution so you could stay close to sports talk? Eating out. Could you give up eating out for 40 days? (laughs) Hell no. (laughs) No way. (laughs) I couldn't give up going to these new restaurants. Couldn't do that. Okay. By the way, did did you go to the one I recommended in Vegas? Unfortunately, unfortunately, we did not have as much time after shows to go places like we wanted to, so we did not get a chance to see that, but that, that is not going to be my last trip to Las Vegas. I will eventually get there. I promise you that. Yeah, it's a good restaurant. You'll like it. The Rack and Lamb is great. Okay. Um, real quick, you know, I've been a 49er fan since John Brody years. You guys weren't even born. Um, I look at Purdy in the criticism on him. I don't understand it. You get some of these um, talk shows and right away, because he's not a number one draft pick. He wasn't from a major university. Well, you know what? Neither was Brady. Neither was a lot of these guys. I don't know why the, the, the dislike for Purdy is because he is the last pick and no one ever thought he'd go, you know, you look at, there's three plays in that game that I think cost the 49ers. I understand taking the ball and should you have taken it overtime, kick to it. You got the muff punt where Ray Ray doesn't jump on it. He jumps on it, starts trying to pick it up. They recover. Kansas City doesn't score that touchdown. Yep. Prior to that, Kansas City hadn't done anything. They hadn't scored a, 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 they didn't score a touchdown. In regulation, without that fumble, it was all field goals. I think the uh, warning, you're third and four. You get a first down there, you run the clock out. Kansas City had two timeouts. You run it down, you go for winning field goals. I think that was a big play. Uh, I don't understand why Shanahan got away from the running in the third quarter. They intercept the ball at the 40, and they three straight passes. That's coming from the bench. I just think they would have kept the run, kept to their ground game. McCaffrey was killing them four or five yards a pop. And I just, I think that's, I think those were some of the turning points. Besides the, the block uh, extra point, he, he just missed it. Uh, otherwise, I think the game could have gone either way. I thought Purdy played a great game. I thought, uh, not a great game, but he was he was a good game. He didn't lose it for them. Good enough to win. Uh, good enough to win. Good enough to, good enough to win. Yeah. And, and this guy, Dan, that calls in yesterday, saying, oh, he's not a good quarterback. He's not, he's not a franchise. Yeah, he is a franchise quarterback. But I uh, consider Dan, though, because he was a Cowboy fan. Now he's a uh, Texas fan. Let me ask you, Steve, just because something happens and you're a team, you're going to drop the Jets? Please. Always be a Jets fan. Can I explain right? to you this? Do you, do you realize how many um, how many opportunities over the last thirty years the Jets have given me to drop them as a oh, franchise? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, every Same year the it's 49ers. the same thing. Sure. Well, no, no, no. The Forty ers <laughs> Listen, listen. How many Super Bowls have the Forty ers won? We won five. All right. The Jets have won one, and it was it was before I was yeah. born, and you were still a kid. So, point is. Yeah. Yes, Orly, uh, it is. It is true. It is very true. By the way, you don't, you don't, you don't turn, you don't give up on a team just because they're not winning all of a sudden. That is I don't true. like what they did to Tom Landry. I didn't like Kaepernick, 
but I stuck with the 49ers. Hey, now that you're giving up, now that you're giving up calling sports talk for the next forty days, will you at least continue to call in to minor talk after UTEP games? Uh, you know what? Different show, Orly. Orly, different shows, different shows. You can it's still, a to- it's still a talking show. Doesn't matter, Orly. I, I mean, I, I get too, I get too frustrated on Orly. that show. Orly, there's a different. You get an apologist. No, you get an apologist on that show. You do. That's and why I you got to call. That's why you got to call into that show, Orly. You got to, you got to get heated and do it. Listen, I am promising you right now. God will not be mad at you if you decide <laughs> to call into minor talk <laughs> and not sports talk. You will be Orly. Orly, you'll be forgiven. You will be forgiven. All right. Well, I'm going to keep my 40 days. I've got to watch, uh, listen to the talk shows. I know there's going to be a couple out there plotting to get me to call. Please, please, I'm my my listeners I'm, are going to try to bait you every day for the next 40 days. You should know better in particular. I've been doing this since you started. I know. Uh, I know. And I, I've been a loyal caller, and I'll just hold. You know, they can hold back until. Until, until after Lent. I mean, I'm also giving up, you know, as a diabetic, I can get away with eating meat. But I still don't eat meat on Fridays. I try to be a good Catholic. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how good that is. But anyway, guys, have a great, great uh, 40 days. And as remember, there's nothing finer than a minor and a 49er. Thank you for the phone call. There he is, Orly. I, I do. I want to touch on one thing that he said. It was at the very beginning, and it got me going, thinking in my head. But he said, "I don't understand." Please, because look at Adrian. Adrian can't even. Is Adrian, Adrian, I told can't him, take it. Adrian, he, he threw the kitchen sink on that phone call. He did. Adrian couldn't. Can't even look after that call. All right. I mean, that's what it comes down. Adrian's gotta, holding his head at gotta, the end of that phone call. You got to sift through it. Yeah. yeah, that was rough. But was wait, rough. Can, can we touch on on one topic that he mentioned at the beginning? And he said he doesn't understand all the Brock Purdy. Down talk like he doesn't understand all the Brock Purdy hate. I want to ask you, you guys, go give me like your top three or four quarterbacks in the NFL this past year of as far as in terms of talent. Who are the who are the four quarterbacks that come to your guys' mind? All right, let's do this. It's or I've got to take a break. Let's okay, okay. save it. This is a great conversation coming off the break. Okay, perfect. We'll, we'll do it next. Stay with us. Sports talk continues along with Adrian Broadus, Cade McConnell, Steve Kaplow. It's with you right here, six hundred ESPN El Paso. All right, nine in front of five as we continue here on the show. Daniel's been waiting, so I want to get to Daniel, but I also want to ad- address that question that uh, right, right when the break hit that uh, Kate had for us about our four best quarterbacks from this season. So we'll do it right after Daniel. Daniel, go ahead. You're up next. How are you? I'm doing good. Good New Year. How about you guys over there? Happy New Year, Daniel. Doing good, man. Thank you. Uh, the, February 13th, I, Happy New Year. I love it, man. You're my kind of guy. If we're wishing happy each other New Happy New Year on the 13th of uh, a day before Valentine's Day, Daniel, you should just wish us a Happy New Year every time you call. That's good stuff, man. Appreciate hey, that. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Anyways, I was going – I usually don't call him, but the old guy before me, I, I didn't catch his name. Orly, the I'm old guy. Him. Yeah, the one that's given up uh, calling the yeah. show for Lent. Yep, that's yeah, the old – that's yeah, Orly, the old guy. Early. Yeah, He needs yeah. to start early. Yeah, I agree. Because it was killing me. First off, Ray, like, he did try to jump on the ball. He hit the player in front of him's foot, the 49er. I don't, I don't remember which player it was. And then let's talk about how Chris McCaffrey fumbles on the first drive down the field, which would have Niners either 3-0 or 7-0, depending on if he kick a field goal or not. Yep. It, I, honestly, I believe the whole game, except for the overtime drive at the very end, the Niners dominated the whole game. That's in my personal opinion. I, I 
And I thought they dominated the first half, but I yeah. felt like they didn't get nearly as many points out of how well they played. They should have been up by, by probably closer to three, two or three touchdowns instead of up by a touchdown. I agree with you. And I, people are going to hate me for saying this, but I honestly think Kyle Shanahan needs to get fired. I know people are going to be like 20, 28, 30 teams will take him. He's 0-3 when playing calls and, or when playing offense in the Super Bowl. I mean, he's like the back press that I just can't win big games, in my opinion. Adrian, give me your thoughts on that. Oh, man. I mean, Kyle Shanahan, it's well-documented in the 28-3 to collapse against uh, the Patriots. Could, the offense could not put any points in that second half when Brady w- was mounting that comeback. The 2019 game, they had a, a lead going into the fourth quarter, couldn't close that out. And then this one, uh, you know, they, they I agree at points they dominated this game, but that defense for the Chiefs to call uh, 49ers absolutely dominating, that's not the case. That defense for the Chiefs really stepped up in the end. Yeah. I agree with you on that one. I did, Like I said, I I mean, it's like no one remembers who stepped on the moon second. Everybody remembers the first guy that stepped on the moon. But I, I don't know about you guys, but I don't want to go to the Super Bowl 10 Super Bowls in a, well, in a row and lose every single one. I'd rather go one time in 18 years and win once. I understand. I mean, that's that's fair. That's, that's And there's <laughs> nothing wrong with that. So I get that. I do. But yeah, that's all I have, guys. Thank you. Appreciate the call. All right. Sometimes all it takes is winning one. Ask Joe Namath. His one Super Bowl made him a legend. A legend. So, But you know what's interesting? I've had a lot of Namath calls about like him over the years. and I'll, I'll get to him later in the 5 o'clock hour. But you said four best quarterbacks in the NFL this season, right? Correct. Lamar Jackson will be one. Okay. you got to put uh, – let me think who else. I probably would still put Josh Allen, too. Okay. Uh, three – let's see – Oh, man, and Mahomes had a very ordinary year this year. He really did not have a great. He, he had a down year for his standards, um, right? But like, do you think he's one of the oh top three? Of course, okay, of course. So there's there's three, and then fourth this season. Ah, uh, let me think for a second on that one, Adrian. You have a fourth. Yeah, I'll go with my top four. I mean, this is just like my top five, like right now. And the number five player always rotates, but number one is Mahomes, number two is Allen, three is going to be Burrow, and then four is Lamar. Okay, and here's here's. I just my... don't think Burrow played enough this year. That was my problem with because you said twenty twenty four. I didn't see it. But Burrow was hurt half the year. The the point in asking that question was yeah. three out of the four names there right are Josh Allen. Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. What do they all have in common? Athletic ability, extended play, like the wow factor, like what's fun to watch, what's different because, you know, for the so, such a long time in football, like those type of quarterbacks didn't exist, at least not as frequently as they do now. They're exciting to watch and that's just that's just how it is. And we were getting back to to Orley's point like he was saying, I don't understand, you know, the purdy hate or the down talk. Well, the reason is because he doesn't fit the mold of those guys that we just said. You just yeah. you guys just named the four top quarterbacks in your mind that are in this National Football League and for 3 out of the four, 75% of them had that archetype of a wow factor, that ability to extend plays and that kind of thing, which I mean, yeah, at times that's amazing. Like there's a reason those guys are the best in the NFL because they can do that, but they don't, you know, other guys who don't have as much, you know, uh, play extendability and things like that, they don't get the, as much praise and things like that. So that's where the Brock Purdy hate comes from if Orly's still listening. And then that's, that's kind of where I, I answer his question from right Okay, now. fair enough. All right, one hour in the books. we got more coming up as Sports Talk continues. Cade's going to be with us for the next two hours. Looking forward to that. We'll keep things moving right here. 600 ESPN El Paso. 
Back here on Sports Talk as we continue. Man, good stuff. Cade McConnell, our spring intern, in with us right now. He's hanging till uh, 7 o'clock. Um, we've got a lot of uh, messages coming in on social. Let's see here. Esteban's been busy today. Uh, Steve, you should have chastised Daniel for disrespecting elders. And then he also followed up with regarding Orly and his Lent vow to give up calling into the show for 40 days. I'm going to wait to the last couple of days to bait him. There you go. Well, that's from Esteban. You know, one time when Rodney Terry uh, announced that he would go over to Texas, mm. Orly broke his Lenten yeah. promise. Uh, I can't recall the other ones, Steve. <laughs> there have been other ones while I've been on this and a part of this show. Uh, but yeah, I guess uh, 40 days. Here we go. I guess so. Uh, Adrian at enemy win the number three. Steve, he says, Purdy won the Lions game with his legs. I forgot about that, but he did. That's right. Because the Lions should have been in this game, but they uh, had a terrible second half. And yeah, Purdy played a terrific second half in that one. Yeah, I don't get it twisted for any of the listeners out there. I am not saying that Brock Purdy is not athletic. I'm saying that he's not known for being athletic. They're, that's two different things. I, th- I think Brock Purdy's fast. When you've seen him get around the edge, he's, he can get around a linebacker and then go extend to play and turn it in from a 5-yard gain to a 15-yard gain. A lot of what we see Mahomes do and other guys. Um, I'm just saying he's not known for being the guy that uses his legs in order to go and win stuff. But that doesn't mean he's just not capable. That's true. Um, a lot of messages regarding the news that the Giants denied the Cowboys' request for permission to meet with their defensive line coach, Andre Patterson, who was a defensive line coach and co-defensive coordinator in Minnesota under Mike Zimmer. That was the Adam Schefter report, and Adrian had that about an hour ago. John Saldivar, isn't it ironic that UTEP has had talented coaches but we're unable to yield long-term, decades-long success for the program. Such a shame. Now realize this. Andy Reid spent two years here. That was it. Two seasons with Bob Stoll before he moved on to Missouri with the rest of that staff. As far as Andre Patterson, um, you know what? He parlayed UTEP into a very successful career in the NFL, but not everybody's able to do that. Adrian, you know, Andre Patterson, again, when you're a D.C. at UTEP versus being a, uh, a a line coach and a co-defensive coordinator in the NFL, it's apples and oranges. You can't compare the two. Yeah, you can't compare it right. I mean, what do you want? Do you want them to promote Andre Patterson to head coach and so he can have success here at UTEP? And then go- what do you want Like from these assistant coaches who have no ties to the university other than the coach who hired them? Which, by the way, give credit to Mike Price because he's the one who hired Patterson. He's the one who had him on staff. And look at the other. He has a great coaching tree, by the way, he Mike does. Price. You, you think Think about Jeremy Springer, who's now headed off to uh, the New England Patriots as an assistant special teams coordinator over there. I mean, he's got a great lineage, and, and that's just obviously one, but he's got a great lineage of players who've gone off and done great things or coordinators who worked under him at UTEP and done, and done great things. That's true. That is true. Um, Noah at, the, at uh, the Noah underscore G says, after seeing the Patterson news, I'd love for the Cowboys to go after Robert Rodriguez now. He also worked under Zimmer in Minnesota. That's another good name. Yeah, interesting. Also, Robert Rodriguez, currently outside linebackers coach for the Cardinals. So not sure if he's if he needs a job or no. if the if he if the Cowboys can pry him away from there. That's a good point. All right. Uh meanwhile, we got more calls coming in. 505-6009. That is our telephone number. By the way, 
We haven't talked enough about this over the last two days, but we need to. UTEP had a big performance Saturday night in the Haskins Center against New Mexico State. I hope you had a chance to, if you weren't there, hear about this because Cade does the best crowd we've seen in the Haskins Center in a long time. Yes, I was there actually at 530. I was handing out shirts to the first 4,000 people that walked in, uh, me and some of the other guys on the football team, and then we were all there to watch the whole game, and it was pretty cool to watch. Great attendance. It was, it was a cool atmosphere. I, I love going to basketball games. It was my favorite thing in, in high school. With the whole t- All the teams would come in the student section, and it felt just like that again with the Haskins Center. Very full, um, and then we put on a great performance. It was exciting to watch k do the fans need to be a little bit louder or a little bit crazier in these games uh, we get that sometimes on minor talk and I, I don't see it from that perspective like I again I don't I'm not in the stands so I I don't really see much of the crowd but sometimes people say hey you know in in crucial moments there's a lot of people just sitting down you got to stand up and go crazy I I agree with that because that's the kind of fan that I like to be at the games um, sometimes I will say this I'm not the guy that's going to stand up probably and go crazy when everybody else is sitting down admittedly um, um, but I think we need a better student section presence. Like yeah. the stu- I understand the student section's like kind of stuck, you know, by the band over there behind one of the hoops. But like you watch, you know, some of the big name basketball schools, and that's who you kind of role model as far as student sections go. But like you watch like a Duke game, and there's like everybody like on at half court, you know, just filled. But behind, you know, there are four or five rows up behind the people that are courtside and whatnot. That's right. But like there's a huge, you know, student section presence right there at half court, and they're going crazy. They got the chance going, all that type of stuff like I think I think that's where the cheers come from most because I'm not expecting like you know the 50 year old fathers to stand up and go nuts but I am expecting 100 football players to we kind of need that like section of like being able to kind of get you know rowdy and cheer from there I don't know Adrian did you notice that like a lot of the times like the defense and like some of the chants like we're off like we're they not would die right and then like, they would die right away but well yeah and we're like not in sync it's yes. like it's like the band's like kind of on one part like the cheerleaders are looking around like okay well, you know that kind of thing like we need to be on the same page here that's funny because i thought the game was the loudest i've heard the arena in a long time no it was it was like the the energy was good but i mean like they just know, weren't in sync new they're not used to having ten thousand fans kate let's be honest we're used to having but 4, let's get fans used to it game. steve that, that let's get nice. used to it right let's get used to ten thousand fans inside the don haskins let's get used to forty five thousand in the sun bowl and let's make that a thing like yeah. that that is the thing that the community and the city of el paso has the full power to do and when you start selling tickets like that not only is it fun it only benefits the programs and like that's you only get positives from that. Like it only That's helps true. everybody to go and pack out those stadiums. And I understand wins do that. Good players do that. I, I totally understand. But you know, for everybody that was there, I get it was New Mexico State. It was a rivalry game. But there's no reason why more games can't be like that, and everyone can't go and have fun more often. Good point. All right, fair point. Let's get back to the phones. Enrique is going to join us next. He joins at uh, eleven past. Hey, Enrique, what's going on? Hey, Cap. I, I was just telling Adrian. Congratulations again on a stellar performance for the both of you at Vegas. Oh, thank you, Enrique. I hope I hope you enjoyed the shows last week. I did. I, I really liked the the, the Andy Reid segment. That was really cool. Oh, thank you. That was fun. That was uh, on uh, media night Monday night. And uh, I don't think people have any idea how difficult it is to try and get into the center of that uh, podium area and throw one-on-one questions at these guys. Adrian did it with Mahomes. Uh, I did it with Andy Reid, and it, it was a. It, it's just something that you're dealing with, like hundreds in each area. Uh, I'm I'm happy we got our questions off and had them answered. Let's just put it that way. 
Uh, it was it was a lot of fun to see you guys. And Good. You guys, again, great job. Real quick, before I get into my Brock Purdy segment, I want to tell you real quick that I don't know if you saw the article. UTEP is actually ranked first in Conference USA by 24-7 sports for recruiting. I did. I and, think that's and amazing. Huge. And that's rivals, by the way. And rivals. So they're number one at rivals, number one at 247. That's never happened before. That's, that's big news. Big. I don't know. I, it needs to be covered more. I, I'm, I told you before, super excited for UTEP football. But going into Purdy, I think Purdy's been getting a – little bit of a bad rap you know this is his first super bowl you know last year was kind of a bad year for him he got hurt but i think we just gotta lay off on him a little bit you know i I get it there was a lot of mistakes made but that's not all on him you know he can't coach the team either yeah he should be a manager general on the field but a lot of those decisions came from above i think the only thing that's going to make the 49ers a little bit harder to make it back to the promised land of the super bowl just the cap uh, all these players are going to have to get paid more money. It's going to get more expensive to bring these teams back. And that, that goes back to what I was talking to you about before you guys left to Vegas, is that I'm tired of everyone trying to compare, like, Mahomes to Brady. And, and now we're trying to compare Purdy to Mahomes. It's, Purdy's is, is his own quarterback. I think he's coming into his own. But if anything, Mahomes really cemented his legacy. He did. He did. There's no Nobody's arguing that. I think we've talked about that. And three Super Bowls in, in, in five years, and he's 28 years old. I can't wait to see what he does over the next 10 years of his career. It's going to be, it's going to be fascinating. I, mean, I hope. I'm, I'm thinking another two years, another two Super Bowls in the next three years, at least. You know what? Don't be surprised. they got a terrific team. They're not breaking up the, the party right now. They could easily go back to that game again next year. I believe it. I'd be cool to see. First team to go three times. But I just think we got to give a little more credit to Purdy. Lay off him a little bit. Like, it's his first rodeo. No, I think that's fair. Adrian, let's talk about that for a minute. I mean, listen, nobody's saying Purdy did a bad job. He played well on Sunday. He really did. And considering where he was two years ago to where he is right now, it's one of the great stories in the in football. Yeah, and I think maybe the reason – we did get calls yesterday that were saying, hey, Purdy's not the guy. You might think I'm crazy, but you're – blah, 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 all that stuff. I watched the postseason. I realized that he is the guy. I may have, maybe have not have been as bought in as other fans or non-fans of the 49ers – casuals watching the game but I I am bought in now as him being the franchise quarterback for this team moving forward because he does enough and he does a good job I mean he does more than enough uh, to earn that job and another thing is everybody's talking about this because he went to Iowa State because he was a seventh round draft pick because he was Mr. Irrelevant if it was Joe Burrow out there who came off the LSU National Championship came off so much success and then heads to the Super Bowl with the Bengals no one's going to question him in fact you're going to catapult Joe Burrow atop the list of a lot of quarterback rankings so let's be fair when we talk about these guys you want to add to that kid yeah I mean I'm just looking like I'm thinking of a comparison like a guy that had a super high completion percentage and I was just looking at like some of the stats like from Drew Brees right like Drew Brees I just picked out a year I'm this was just spur of the moment but like in 2018 Drew Brees right 74.4 percent complete 3,992 yards it wasn't even one of his best seasons as far as yards go and that was obviously late in his career as a seasoned veteran who everyone knew is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL Mm -hmm. Brock Purdy this past season 69.4 percent complete 4,280 yards like we're talking about really high level quarterback play you know He's not Patrick Mahomes, and no one's saying that, but I, I agree. Like He's playing at a really high level, and the Brock Purdy slander definitely needs to take a step back.
Yeah, I mean, it's like video game numbers, really, when you start to think about some of the things that we've seen from Mahomes over the years, which puts him right now. You said it best. We all know Mahomes is number one. Everybody else is behind him, whether it's Josh Allen, whether it's a healthy Joe Burrow, which, by the way, is Joe Burrow ever going to be healthy again? Or is he going to be one of these guys that has amazing talent we just never know? You mentioned that, that top four quarterback list, right? Before we went to break, we came back, talked about it last, uh, last segment. Adrian, you're going to disagree with me, but I'm going to tell you right now, if I go Mahomes, Allen, and then I mentioned as my, oh, uh, Lamar Jackson, this past season, just this past season, you got to put Dak there. Dak had it. He had a oh. top. He had a top four, top five quarterback regular season. He was. He was terrific during the regular season. He was. I mean, how can I'm you not be saying wrong? Play, I'm how not can saying, you be wrong? I'm not saying playoffs. I, you I'm know not what? This playoffs. goes back to yep. our. This goes back to our Dak Prescott top ten quarterback. Yes, he is. He is a top ten quarterback by default. He is. So I mean, I. How hard is it to argue with you? I think it's hard to argue with you. The only thing that people would go against you and they would say is the playoffs. Exactly, say, and that's not fair because the regular season Dak was on I'm not judging him by the playoffs by the way Lamar Jackson is two and five in the playoffs for his career so before we start talking about how Dak can't win Lamar who's been the MVP of the league hasn't been able to win so there there's plenty of quarterbacks that have been terrific during the regular season that have not been able to duplicate that once the postseason starts but here's the thing is like when you get into looking at these quarterbacks like Dak gets a worse rap than Lamar because Dak is not as flashy. He's not as play extendable. He doesn't do those types of things. And so when you start talking about this, you know, with the MVP seasons, Dak gets a, a lot more hate. And of course, being the Cowboys quarterback, Bingo. Right? you know, you that, hit that's on what it right it there. That's what it yep. is. It's being the Cowboys quarterback and you're not as flashy and then you miss in the playoffs. That's right. That's what's going to get you a worse rap than, than somebody like Lamar Jackson. 18 past 505 our telephone number. That's 505-6009. More in a moment, but first, let's go to Charlie One. Get this traffic update. Back here on Sports Talk 23, now past the hour. 505-6009, our telephone number to get into the show. That's 505-6009. We're still talking a lot of Super Bowl day, day three, really, after me. This is yesterday was the day after. Now we're still doing that and uh, looking forward to getting more of your thoughts uh, on on the game and just the, the future of what's heading. Because remember, now we've got the draft coming up in April. Adrian's planning on joining the Foss and Chris out in uh, Detroit and going to the Motown City. He's got family over there, so you might be a part of the draft uh, come April. And then before you know it, uh, we've also got UFL action. This is important, Cade, because you could have some of your former teammates on the minors playing uh, UFL uh, this upcoming spring. Yeah, there's. I mean, there's a lot of former teammates that I'm, I think uh, are going to have a shot to play at one level or another, and I, I really hope they all get a chance. I do too. Uh, give me your thoughts on spring ball and the fact that the USFL and the XFL have merged into one league. Um, you know, we talked UFL last week during uh, Super Bowl week at Radio Row, and uh, I, Russ Brandon joined us. He's the president and CEO of the UFL, and they feel like right now, since there's no more competition, there's no reason why this league shouldn't get a chance to really grow since they are working with the NFL. 
being able to test new rules, new little nuances, and and really uh, try to get as much support as possible. I think it's a really good thing, and, and here's my take on it. I think that true football fans love it. Like, if you really love watching football, um, the first person that goes to my mind is like my, my dad. Like my, my dad was like, oh my god, football's over now. Like, I'm going to go back and rewatch every UTEP game from this year that he has recorded, because he's got nothing better to watch kind of thing. But he loves when this spring football stuff comes on, because it's football. It's real. It's still good players going out there. The one thing that everyone's you know kind of criticism has been for is like they want to see high level of football play like they want to feel like it's just under the NFL level of play and I think that there's there's definitely that in the future like if you you need to have it seem like you're playing you know at least high level college football guys making plays and doing special things and things that are exciting to watch but my favorite part about it all is actually like the unique rules because you know I mean it's just it's outside the box like you grow you watch football and football is football but then when there's kind of like that extra added spin on certain things like you never know like that could become part of the game one day it could be more interesting and I think it's I think it's overall really good for the sport I wonder how difficult it's going to be for certain players to go through a grueling spring playing football and then possibly two or three months later going into an NFL training camp try to make the roster and just not have any real downtime and just go from one league right to another it's a super big concern that I think that a lot of people have and I think it's a very valid one a football season puts a lot of wear and tear on a body, and the off season is something that every single player from you know college level all the way through the pros takes the full advantage of an off season to try to get the body ready to go to do that all over again. Yeah. Um, it is possible. It's possible to go out and do it. It's possible to stay healthy. You got to take care of your body, um, but it's it's definitely not easy. But I think that that's that's another really cool added thing is like everyone's been wanting that league that becomes the feeder league for guys that maybe weren't in the NFL or couldn't make it or got cut or something like that, and then are in that lower division that can be brought up because so many guys kind of fall out or get cut or don't make a camp and then their career is just over and they kind of wither away because there's no place to to continue to foster the skills and to do things and showcase and then you're just that guy that's you know bouncing around from camp to camp like hopefully trying to have somebody see you and this is a really good way for real talent to be showcased couldn't agree more in fact i'm excited we talked about expansion with russ when he joined us and asked about el paso because they've already got franchises right now in dallas Houston and San Antonio. So why not a fourth? Why not add uh, why not add the Sun Bowl and El Paso to the mix and maybe as the league starts to grow from 8 teams to potentially 16 or more, El Paso could uh, one day find themselves as, as an expansion franchise. I think it'd be great. I think that, you know, the fans of El Paso um, have always been good at sports games and and can really get behind a team when stuff goes well. So I hope that it happens and down the line that'd be pretty cool to see. Adrian, I still believe that that's the kind of league that fans would absolutely support here in El Paso if a franchise was to ever uh, end up in El Paso. Yeah, and I think the interesting uh, takeaway that I had from our interview with Russ Brandon is it's continuity. It's having season over season, not just a one-off, not just, you know, let's start up the season, get everybody excited, and then shut down because of whatever reason. That obviously deters any kind of momentum. So Mm -hmm. I think the key is to put out a product, hope people watch it, and then try to run it back again next. Next year, I mean, see how sustainable this really is because not only are you uh, going out there and paying players, paying these coaches and stuff like that, but you're trying to go out and shop around to different uh, TV networks and get people to buy in with advertising and stuff like that. So there you go. 
28 past the hour, 505-6009, our telephone number. You know, we were talking uh, during the break. Kate was asking about our Radio Row segments and how we booked all of our interviews from last week. So interesting because part of them were booked in advance. Um, in fact, we taped a number of them before the show just because uh, there aren't nearly as many people during our broadcast as there are earlier in the day. It's just a fact. Two years in a row we've, we've seen that. Right. But funny enough, like – I'll give you Russ Brandon, for example, the U.S. Uh, the UFL guy. Um, we were walking around and we saw UFL uh, individuals doing radio interviews. And Adrian came up and said, hey, you know, we should really think about a UFL segment. It'd be great. So emailed the UFL the morning on, I think it was Thursday or Friday. And that day we scheduled the president and CEO of the league to come on with us. That's we did it that day. And, you know, that's sometimes these things happen. We went to the Bounty Paper Towel booth to tell them, "Hey, look, we're going to be next year in uh, New Orleans. We know we missed out on a lot of the interviews this year, we which by the way, a lot of the local stations don't even get offered these interviews. Sometimes it's just national shows and that's it." So we said, "Can we be um, you know, in the mix for next year?" And when I was talking to them, they said, "Well, we still have an opening for Kirk Cousins and KJ Osborne said, oh, we'll take it. Yeah, Thank absolutely. you very much. Absolutely. So next thing you know, we're booking Kirk Cousins and KJ Osborne up there um, You know that, that same afternoon. And that was a lot of fun for us. And really, those are the kind of interviews we love because they're, you know, star player like Kirk Cousins is an A-list player. And getting him uh, for five to seven minutes at Radio Row is really what it's all about. So that's the interesting thing. And Adrian was around with Aaron Jones while we were waiting for that interview to happen. And you should hear Adrian share yeah. with Cade just what it was like seeing all the attention that Aaron got when he was over at Radio Row. Yeah, to paint a picture for our listeners right now, it's so easy to recognize Aaron Jones because we've known him since uh, he basically was playing at Burgess High School and we've been covering him for over a decade now. Uh, but it's harder to find and figure out who these like under-the-radar guys, even if they're not necessarily under-the-radar, like Tony Pollard, for example, you, Kate. Do you know what Tony Pollard looks like? Yeah, of course I do. You do. You you would be able to pick out Tony Pollard in a crowd. I would sure I would sure hope so. But I'm also a really big football fan, so maybe to the average person he might be tougher. But I I, I would hope that I would be able to do that. Well, I was not, and I I love football. Uh, maybe not as much as you, but I love football, and I watch it every week. And I I ran past Tony Pollard at least twice. And I didn't even realize it was him until later on. I saw a different picture somebody posted of him, and I was like, "Wow, that's Tony Pollard! Like, how could I have not have known that's him? And why why didn't I not stop him and try to ask him?" But for example, for Aaron Jones, who's very recognizable, his face is very recognizable. He everywhere he moves, he moves left. There's a, a TV station with a camera in his face. He moves right. There's a radio guy begging him to come on his show. He moves to his left again, and there's another person requesting just a one-question interview for social media. So he was somebody who was a marquee guy and everybody wanted a piece of. And then, you know, when when you throw a guy like uh, Jamal Williams, who was right next to him, who was with him on the Bounty production and all the promotions, not a lot of requests oh, for wow. Jamal Williams. That's yeah. surprising. It's interesting how some get more attention than others. 
I uh, I have a question for you, Adrian. Like, when you're, do guys look a lot different than they do when, like, I mean, I know you're seeing them with a helmet on TV, but you see them without a helmet too. Like, is it very, is it a lot different seeing them in person in the crowd? Are they harder to pick out? Then? Yes, because they care about things like fashion. They care about how they look, and they care about their accessories and stuff like that. So you never, you never see that. I mean, you see them pretty much just without their helmet, just without their pads and stuff like that. But at these events. They're coming out with like the pink pants. They're coming out with the nice jackets and stuff like. And it's hard to pick out who they are. Sauce Gardner had a giant chain that said "Sauce" That's right hard. that he was wearing. Hard so to miss. It it helps when players give us identifiers like that. Right, right. Was Justin Jefferson there? Was Justin? Yes, Je- he was. Did he hard was to he, pick out? Was he wearing his uh, his jet chain? Because I've met Justin Jefferson. I, I hosted a, a uh, or I helped out with his football camp in California. Um, I was one of the coaches at the camp, and he had a, the giant jet chain on and I I'll never forget that so I don't know if he had the chain on he was in the serious booth when I saw him uh, in person but he had his hair done in a certain way that I had never seen Justin Jefferson do his hair so I mean just little things like that you they might have a new hairdo they might come out to Vegas looking a little extra clean just because this is Vegas they want to have fun I have I have another question for you guys because you know I'm I'm new to the game right you know I haven't gotten to uh, interview people of the the stature and the status that you guys have but you know, like like I said, I, I did the camp with Justin Jefferson. It was really cool. I've, I've grittied with Justin Jefferson. I don't know how many people have actually said that. Like, I've done it with him. I've, there's a photo on my Instagram for all listeners. Go go check it out. But Give out your uh, Instagram handle. Uh, it's Cade underscore McConnell underscore. Okay. So go go check it out there. you got to scroll down a little bit, but it's on there. I am I am in the gritty with Justin Jefferson. It's pretty cool. Um, but anyway, when you guys are out there, like you're surrounded by all these really cool people and you're getting interviews with, you know, you know, higher tier people that maybe you wouldn't get if you were just sitting around in El Paso, but you guys are at radio where like, is it a little surreal or are you guys just in the mix so much that it's like, this is just what we're doing. Like, this is awesome and super fun, but it's, it's completely normal. Or when you're sitting next to Kirk Cousins and KJ Osborne, you're like, Oh my God, I'm interviewing Kirk Cousins and KJ Osborne. So for me, it's work. It's fun work. I love to interview. That's my favorite part of the job. And getting a chance to talk to people we wouldn't normally get a chance to talk to is is great. But I guess maybe, and maybe because I've been doing this 30 years now, I don't have that feeling of awe like I might have years ago when, when I was getting into this business. I understand that. What about you, Adrian? Okay, so it's a great question because I, I get asked this a lot, and I'm very honest. I don't get starstruck with players. I get starstruck with the people I listen to or read about, like read on a daily basis, and who I kind of look up to in this business. Like, those are the people I kind of get more starstruck with. Yeah, I mean, like podcasts, guys from The Ringer. We had some of those guests on, and I could see how much Adrian was really getting into that because, again, the people he listens to. Now, I'll say this. Um, I've interviewed Kevin Harlan before over the phone, never in person. We had him on. He was terrific. All we did was talk broadcasting with Kevin. It was great. So, I mean, that's one of those conversations where we enjoy it because we didn't even talk about the Super Bowl with him. We just talked about his broadcast career and what it's like. And listening to him talk, that was a lot of fun. Right. I think, I mean, I, I can relate to that in a way. Like, I haven't, you know, gotten to interview anybody big or anything like that. But, like, you know, me and Lane have been on here, and Lane's had some cool people come through. We had Garrett Stubbs, an MLB player, talking. I feel like you kind of get into the conversation, and it's, it's, yeah. it's fun, and it's cool, and you're not, like, you know, dismissing the person that's there, but, like, it kind of becomes just part of the conversation, which I understand. I understand. I think that's cool. All right. 35 past the hour. Adrian, what are we doing? You want to do Sports Center? Or you want to say hello to Bobby? What do you think? Uh, let's say hi to Bobby. All right, let's do it. We'll get, we'll get our Sports Center top of the hour. We'll do top of the hour Sports Center, and we'll come back and do that here in about 25 minutes. Bobby, what's going on? How are you? 
Hey, what's going on, guys? Hey, uh, that, well, that was a good game, you know. Um, of course, the Niners lost. I'm a Niner fan. But you know what? They give them, uh, they give them seven points with that. With that, uh, when they hit them in the foot, they were in what 18 yard line. They just give them seven points right there. Basically, they didn't have to drive or nothing. Basically, Bobby, and when the, the overtime point- started, did you still feel like you had a chance to win the game, or at that point, did you feel like ah, KC was going to win it? I think me. I mean, I've been watching football. I played football. I mean, I'm just saying, I've been for a long time. I would have given him with the possession. You usually you you defer. So I think they should have. My opinion. Oh, as far as I still think the Niners could have taken it down and yeah. hope, and they were pretty close to scoring the touchdown. I didn't like that they kind of like stopped running because this is the way I see it. Too. I don't know about you, but the more you run the ball and you let Mahomes not get the ball, I even told my buddy, if the time of possession goes to them, they're going to win because mm. there's no way you got to make first downs. And, and that's what Kansas City was doing. And, uh, you know, about uh, Purdy – I don't know if you saw, Steve, the, the, all the stuff that was going on, like um, how they were blitzing him. He had nine blitzes, Steve, in his face. In his face. They, nine times untouched. If you, uh, you, if you look at it, you can go and Google all this stuff and whatever you got to do. Man, that guy was getting pressured, like, big time. Yeah, he I was. I think he actually played a pretty good game for And you saw, you saw after a while, you saw just uh, Mahomes just – having time it was the offensive line i mean they were giving them some time but and but they weren't giving them once the second half it looked like it's changed to me a little bit here and there and the defensive line was playing good at first the second half Mahomes had time to throw the ball yeah. and then one more last thing uh, and 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 Purdy has like i don't know how many his first second or third in stats this guy's what 24 years old been in the league a year and a half this guy's just getting better, not getting worse. I mean, and then Shanahan has taken this team, the worst team in the league six years ago, at four and what, 12 or two and something for two years, something like that. And they've gone to the championship four years in a row. Not too many coaches have done that. You tell me how many. And I, there's only one that I think I, that I can know of right now is Reed, which they've gone to the championship game six or seven years in a row. Shanahan's a hell of a coach. He's going to be there for a long time. If you get that, they're going to riot there. The Shanahan's going to stay there for a long time. This team is still going to be good. They have a lot of good players. A first-round pick coming up. A second round, two-thirds, and they got like eight picks this year. First round because of Lance. They haven't done it in, what, three years? Second round because of, of McCaffrey when they got him. They lost a, a second-round pick for two years in a row. They're, going to, they're still going to be good, Steve, for a long time. Appreciate you, Bobby. Give me some thoughts on that one. Yeah, let's let's do a little bit of self-reflection for a second because a lot of this show has been talked about Brock Purdy, Patrick Mahomes, and rightfully so. But for the most part, the consensus on the show so far has been like Brock Purdy has done enough to get this team to a Super Bowl, and he did enough to give them a chance to win multiple times. Did were there were there a few plays? Sure, but for the most part, everything has been you know quit the Brock Purdy slander. You know he did well. He has done well this entire season. Like is are are we just are we sitting on the narrative from maybe like earlier on in the season, right? Where Brock Purdy like maybe wasn't enough, and there was the doubt, and like we're still kind of hanging on to that as people who talk about sports. Like is that gone? Or and we're just hanging on to it? Or do you think that there's still plenty of people out there who think that Brock Purdy's not good enough? Yeah, people called in this show yesterday and. They- they said that he wasn't good enough. Well, so. you know what? Jalen Hurts wasn't good enough last year. 
Right. I mean, there's a there's a lot of ways right. you can look at that and spin that. Very few have been good enough uh, to go out and and uh, and beat uh, Patrick Mahomes. One guy is Tom Brady. Right. Yeah. No. A hundred percent. Hundred percent. And I think that, like, you know, it's it's funny that you say that we had a bunch of people calling yesterday and say that Brock Purdy wasn't good enough because really all we've heard today is that Brock Purdy has done enough, executed well did his job, and, and the, the chips didn't fall his way, and yeah. that's what happens when you go against Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. Um, but, you know, I, I think that's an interesting perspective that, like, I th- it seems like we've, we're all kind of in agreement that he's done enough, but maybe there's still a lot of people out there that don't think so. Ah, so it's, it's so interesting. You listen to a lot of 49er fans. They're happy to have him. I haven't, I haven't really heard of any 49er fans feeling like they need more than Brock Purdy. Have you? No, I haven't, and I think that everybody who's had them on the team thinks that he's up and coming and a phenom, and, and I couldn't agree more. I'm excited to see where he takes it. Um, I'm, I also would like to hear from maybe some people who think that he's not good enough because everything we've heard today has been positive. I wonder if Cowboys fans had a choice between Brock Purdy and Dak Prescott, who'd they take? I hope they say Dak. I hope they say Dak. I know I just talked up Brock Purdy in a positive light for I can't tell you how long, but like I would still say Dak. Like he was so good this year, you know. And and who's to I don't you don't know if what what Brock Purdy does in a different system, whatever. But like I mean, I know, but that was Purdy's first playoff loss. Like I mean, you think about that, you know. He was he he had won his two games last year, and then he takes him all the way to the Super Bowl this year. Cowboys fans would kill to have one season with Dak Prescott doing that for them. It's a great point. It's a great point. And, and it, as tough as it is to put down in the books as like a valid stat, like playoff success is Huge. a massive quarterback stat. It is. We'll come back with Cruz, wrap up our two of three. Stay with us. Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. Sports Talk. Um, we haven't talked about the halftime show. Do we like Usher on, on Sunday? Uh, I did. I, Adrian, I don't know about you, but I, I enjoyed it. I thought that it was good. Um, I mean, there's always going to be people that are critics and say it wasn't good and this, that, whatever. I didn't like the opening song. I wanted something a little bit more. You know, I, I'm, I didn't recognize the opening song, mm-hmm. but like overall, I thought the performance was good. Adrian? You know, I was laughing because when we were in Vegas, everybody was talking about prop bets and stuff like that. And then some people started mentioning things that Usher, like betting on Usher, what he was going to wear. Is he going to have sunglasses? What What's his first song going to be? I was like, man, if you're betting on things like this, you you really must have something wrong or you know, maybe something right in your life, right? Did you like Usher? Were you happy with Yes, him? I was happy with him. Definitely. Okay. Was it one of the better ones you've heard? Better uh, halftime shows? Yeah, I think I really, I go back to that uh, L.A. performance, the Dr. Dre, the Snoop Dogg performance. That was my favorite, I think. Cade, your favorite. I think that we were talking about this at my apartment, and I think the best halftime show I've ever seen was Katy Perry. Like when she was riding the lion at... I mean, across the thing, I th- I think Katy Dancing Perry- with the Sharks. I mean, I, I what do you what do you guys think? Because like I think the Katy Perry halftime show was pretty awesome. What it's year not was Katy that? Perry. How many years ago was that for Katy Perry? Oh my gosh, I don't even know. Uh, it's it, it could it was, be like what like eight to ten. It's been a while, hasn't it? Let me let me look it up. Let me look it up. Real All right, quick. Super Bowl forty nine. There you go. Okay, and this was fifty eight. So yeah, it was nine years ago. Yeah. Huh. All right. I mean, I was young, but Katy Perry was it at the time. She was it at the time. Ten years ago, absolutely right. I can so. I can remember a lot of Katy Perry songs that I that you know you know songs spark up memories. Yes, I got memories with Katy Perry songs attached to them, and that, they're they're never going to leave. That's good. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, Cruz has been hanging out with us through the break. Hey, Cruz, how are you? I'm doing okay, but I agree with Kate. Katy Perry is my favorite too. So you like Katy yeah. Perry also? Okay, that's good. Yeah, yeah. I got a quick yeah, a quick comment. You know that that. Uh, 
blocked punt, you know, it was really big, and I thought it might be the difference. And, and But, you know, uh, you never know what will happen. You know, if he hadn't made it, you don't know what will happen afterwards. But True. I, I want to make a comment about the commentator, Tony Romo. That guy's fantastic. He he was telling us what play was going to be run. I mean, he, he he's sharp. He he knew what was going to what they were going to run. He even commentated on what the offense was going to run. And he's talking about uh, time management, all that. You know, that was really interesting. He did a very good job, in my opinion. So you are a Tony Romo fan. Oh yeah, I've been a Tony Romo fan for. Uh, Quite a while since I first heard about him. <laughs> yeah, and uh, but uh, that was fantastic. I was, I was trying to read the defense myself. I never beat him. He he, uh, um, he he beat me every time. Every time, you know, and he was accurate. Cade, as a football player, what do you think about like how was Romo in the booth on Sunday for you? Uh, Tony's always pretty good as far as like explaining football from a quarterback's point of view and I totally understand how like to the average fan him calling out things like like when he first did it like it was cool and then if I'm being completely candid like it kind of wore off after a while for me and like him like trying to predict things well he was also wrong after like he was so good out of the gate that then he started predicting and missing and it was getting a little weird right and then it's kind of one of those things like if I like sat here on the show and recorded myself with like a hundred hot takes and then like you know one of them hit and I posted and I'm like, I hate guys. I told you, I told you it was coming kind of thing. It, it kind of turned into one of those things, but he does a great job of explaining football as a quarterback and like how it kind of works in the moment. But I think that other announcers do that really well too. Like I think I, Greg Olson is probably the best one. I think Greg Olson does a great, like I really enjoy listening to Dan Orlovsky a lot of the times mm-hmm. too. I think Dan Orlovsky gives great insight into, you know, minds of like kind of how football works from a quarterback's perspective and things like that. Um, but I mean, maybe it's just you know my choice of flavor or whatever. But I, I I don't know. I've kind of moved off the Tony Romo train a little bit with just some of the ways that more more like uh, uh, verbally, like just how it sounds on the ears and things like that. Maybe I've moved off of Tony Romo. But then again, he is great at his job, so I'm not going to be too critical. Cruz, as long as you love Romo, that's all that matters. Yeah. Hey, uh, I got a, a quick comment about K. Uh, may make off the subject. You know your theme song. Uh... Final countdown. Yes. If you uh, Google this, uh, 220 musicals, that's a pretty good video. It's about uh, 220 uh, people performing it. I believe it. this happens in Russia. It's a pretty good song as it is, and these people uh, do it justice. Yeah, 220 musicals. Uh, I think you'll enjoy that video. Well, check that out. Thank you, Cruz. Appreciate the call. By the way, uh, Final Countdown has been our wrap-up song forever. And truthfully, Final Countdown made a comeback after we started incorporating that into the show. So I'm not saying we had anything to do with it, but it is interesting to me how Final Countdown from Europe has, in fact, become such a, uh, a, a popular tune in pop culture within the last 10 years or so. You think so? You think it's just the last 10 years? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe a little longer. I don't know. Adrian, what do you they, think? They've got a lot... Uh, Final Countdown has been in a lot of commercials. I'll say that. So, it uh, maybe somebody's listening to us while they're, uh, you know, thinking of their next creative message to throw out there. I mean, all you got to do is just put the show on the app, and you can hear it, you know, free of charge. It's you know, I'm not saying that we had anything to do with Europe's uh, success with Final Countdown, but we have had that song on for a long, long time. You're helping promote it, right? Every listener counts. I'm sure Europe appreciates it. Can't hurt. Can't hurt. Can right? only help. 
So, all right. Hey, two hours down, one to go. We still have a lot more to talk about, so stay with us. Kate's sticking around till 7 o'clock, and uh, we look forward to hearing from you right here. 600 ESPN El Paso. Welcome back, everybody. Third and final hour underway. He's Adrian Broadus. I'm Steve Kaplowitz. Cade McConnell with us as well. Got a kick out of uh, what just happened during the break. Sometimes, Adrian, the best stuff on this radio show happens during commercial breaks. Very true. Very, very, very true. And that definitely was one of them. I think our listeners would, would, would kill to have a chance to sometimes get into the studio during the breaks and hear what's said. And well, in this particular situation, uh, Cade uh, phoned a friend, which happened to be a relative of his, who did a terrific impersonation of one very popular uh, football announcer and gave us all a good laugh out here in the studio. It's good stuff. Here, here's the thing: is like I, I admittedly, like we know this. Bo, Bo is like the character of the family. Like he has the better impersonations. Like mm-hmm. he can sing better than anybody in the family. Like all that type of stuff. Like all that goes straight to Bo. But like he is not as much of the talker. Like he wouldn't want to get on the show and like talk as much as much. Mm. He'd like to go and argue. But he has all the other talents, kind of thing. But here, I, I told them this: like we need to have Bo on at some point. We need to have him either in studio yeah. or call in because he's kind of he's the personality that somebody needs to hear at some point. How often has he come to El Paso? Oh, he's come. He's probably come three or four times now. I mean, it's a little. Right. It's a little only. Well, yeah. Oh, well, uh, I need. I need to double check that. But yeah, about about three or four times. But where does he live? Well, he lives in uh, Utah right now, that's Salt a, Lake City. That's a tough trip. Yeah, that's well, a tough trip. Yeah, it's just there's. I mean, there's a couple different factors, right? I mean, he's got school a lot of the time, and then you know, obviously, it's not cheap to get down here. But he also has work. The, those kind of things. But when he has come down here, he has a great time. All the guys on the team uh, enjoy being around him, too. My friends are his friends kind of thing. It's, it's fun. Gotcha. Um, well, listen, Bo made us laugh, which is really cool. We like that as well. Um, by the way, give me your thoughts on this, okay? Because this is interesting. This just happened during the show today. So this is new. The College Football Playoff Board of Managers expected a vote in one week, a week from today on a model that would include the five highest-ranked conference champions and the next seven highest-ranked teams in the 12-team playoff this fall. Now, this is a format change that could finally get the unanimous backing if the Pac-12 agrees to it, which, by the way, is Washington State and Oregon State. That's the Pac-12, so that's like two teams. they got to decide what they're going to do. So... They've been the holdout in this process. They want the time to sort through the legal issues, discuss future CFP revenue with the board. Now, Washington State President Kirk Schultz, who represents the conference on the board, said, quote, the expectation is to hold a vote. And that's what he wants to do. Now, the 5 plus 7 model is interesting. But once again, my question is, is that going to leave out any uh, particular group of five schools? Because that's my biggest question, is if you're dealing with the five conference champions and the next seven uh, schools after that, could we possibly see something that just completely ignores a um, a group of five school? Right. Which, I mean, you know, that's, that's the question. See, what the, Pac- what the Pac-12 is considering for its future is they call this a reverse merger with the Mountain West, meaning they would add all the teams from that league into the Pac-12 without any exit fee. So if that was to happen, 
You know, he's not sure how the CFP would view the league, which basically is a group of five conference with a power five label. They don't know how that's going to work. Right. I mean, and for the listeners listening out there, right, the previous format that they were talking about was all of the conference champions of the five big conference, the big five. Yep. And then, or the power five. And then it was the highest ranked group of five school, right? Mm -hmm. Had the automatic bid. So now with this format, that group of five school has a a higher chance of being left out or really a lot higher of a chance getting left out. Well, you got to figure because once again, you're dealing with. The, the next seven highest-ranked teams in the 12-team playoff. So you're and almost wait, you're, you're I feel like you're guaranteed to leave out a group of five school at that point. So if we just base it on the end of the season, right, and we look at the final rankings, and I can't even feel, let me see the last. Okay, I'm trying to find the last bowl championship poll, which I don't have. All I have is the final AP and, and coaches and all that. But if you look at that, if you look at those rankings, the best, you know, group of five um, school in those rankings was Liberty, right? Liberty at twenty five. That's my point. I mean, yeah, there's there's years with exceptions where group of five schools have potentially been ranked higher. But, like, that's, I feel like, more few and far between. And, like, if you take a season like last year where Liberty was a great team. Now, did they get blown out by Oregon? Yeah, I understand that. But they were a great team and the best group or best group of five school in the nation last year. And they're and they 25. You know, I mean, that's a considerable amount to break up into that, you know, arguably top 12 ranking, top 15. Well, but here's the question, okay? The question is, is that if they go five power conferences, right now there's four. Right. So I guess that would assume that the fifth would end up being the Mountain West. Because that's the question. Because if you're going Pac-12 and they're kind of aligning themselves with the Mountain West, would they get that last spot as an automatic, which seems like such a dud. I don't think – I mean, this right here, Steve, uh, feels like it was kind of something that they were putting together last minute while everybody's on the table. And, oh, by the way, hey, don't forget about us over here on the West Coast. Hey, oh, by the way, don't forget about the Pac-2 and the Mountain West. We want to be a Power 5. We w- we want all this kind of stuff, and I don't know how realistic any of that is. I'm with you on that one. I just don't understand. Like, So here's my thoughts, okay? What I would do is I would basically say – that the fifth conference should be the highest-ranked group of five school to go with the other four. That makes the most sense. That makes the most sense to me, too. Uh, But it also, I'm not going to open this can of worms right now. Now, it does say the five highest-ranked conference champions. I'm assuming that group of five is in that mix. Yeah, I would Because you would have the four, you would have the four power fives... And then the fifth would be the highest ranked group of five. That's that's how I that's how I see that because really what you've done is you've taken you've taken the Pac-12 and turned it into a league that is essentially two schools and a group of five. So that's how I would think. I would think that you have that power five. You would have the Pac-12 with the Mountain West, 
as a as a group of five and then all the other group of fives and see who gets the highest spot. That would make the most sense to me. Okay, yeah, yeah that makes sense to me. I'm on, I'm on board with that one. So if like Washington State ends up being like eleven and one, yeah, and then you talk about Liberty going twelve and zero, that's where it starts to get a little dicey, right? Like who gets in, you know? And, and well, I who's think, high, who, who's ranked higher? Exactly. I mean, is Washington State ranked higher than Liberty? Then you go from there. I think that's fair because I think that if you you know play Washington State against Liberty, it's it's a closer outcome. I don't think it's like playing you know Liberty against Oregon last year. I don't think that's your turnout. Point is this: we know that the Pac-12 is done. I mean, you can if you want to call yourself the Pac-12, be my guest if you're Washington State and Oregon State. Do I feel bad that they're the last two standing? Absolutely. Do they deserve to be a Power 5 school? Heck no. Not even close. If you absorb the Mountain West, you're just a group of five with a new name. Yeah, I mean, it, it raises a lot of different questions. And like I said, I was about to say earlier, I'm not going to open this can of worms, but this is why I cannot stand all the realignment. I don't think that it's good for a whole lot. Um, and I think that it makes all this stuff a lot more complicated and, and makes a lot less sense when you start talking about playoffs and rankings and everything else. Uh, interesting thing, Steve, just to mention real quick about regarding the Pac-12 or the Pac-2, whatever. This was actually reported earlier today. The 10 schools that are leaving will likely still play in the Pac-12 affiliated bowls the next two years and not the bowls that are tied to their new leagues, which is actually very relevant for the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl right there. Say that again, please. Yeah, so what I'm saying here is the 10 schools that are leaving the Pac-12, right? The 10 who are, half of them are going to the Big 10, half of them are going to the Big 12. Those schools will still play in bowl games that are tied into the Pac-12 for two more years. Does that mean, does that mean that for the next two seasons, they are the fifth school? That's a good question. That that because, has not that has not been clear. Because that would be strange too. I would think that any team that goes to the Big Twelve and the Big Ten, even though even if they're considered Pac twelve as far as bowl games go, they are still in the Big Ten and in the Big Twelve, and that fifth spot should not go to a pack. I mean, how that's can right. you? That, that's you exactly can't right. possibly do that because what that means is you're giving the Big Ten or the Big Twelve a chance to have an extra school, which right. you can't, which you can't do. What you're saying right there is exactly right. It's still going to be those four. It, it's not going to count as a second one. Like let's say Oregon, for example, goes ten and two, and it's like, oh, Oregon, you get that last playoff spot because you were previously in the Pac-12. No, 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 that doesn't count. So what you're saying is, when it comes to bowl games for right. these next two seasons, even though they're in the Big Big Ten, and even though they're in the Big 12, they will be considered Pac-12. What if they win their conference? Then what? Then they're probably going to be the at-large bid and the college football playoff bid for uh, their respective league. Now, let's talk about like a 7-6 and six Arizona. Are they, qual- are they eligible for the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl in this scenario? Yes. Okay. So, outside of the top spots that could end up in a New Year's Six or a potential playoff, then they get to still be part of the Pac-12. Correct. For yeah. this, for the sake of argument for these two seasons. And the Pac-12 Bulls, the only ones that are linked right now, Alamo, Las Vegas, Holiday, Sun Bowl, L.A., and Independence. Those are the ones right now. What is that, about six? Six. Okay. Interesting. All right. So... When did that? When did they decide that? So this was reported earlier today by our guy Brett McMurphy, and so yeah, that that's uh, that's, that's fresh news. That's fresh news. Yeah. So I guess the I guess the Tony the Tiger Sunball does not have to negotiate with another conference. They will keep what 
was the Pac-12 for two more seasons. Sure, and if the if they want to start negotiating behind closed doors, I think that would actually be the better case, right? Because if you actually have those negotiations happen, what if it's like those Pac-12 schools or the Big 12, and then you seamlessly, seamlessly uh, translate into partnering up with the Big 12 if you're the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. Like, that's how I see this partnership really working. Mm. That is that is interesting. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, so this is again if they're not in the playoffs. So you know, right. not, not, we're not even talking. You know, I guess. Well, I guess the New Year's games are now considered the expanded playoff. Probably that's the way they'll right. end up doing it. So all right. So there's your there your games. Um, I guess that I guess that solves the issues for the bowl games around here. At least we now know that uh, the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl will still feature either a current or a former Pac-12 school. Yeah. And I'm not I'm not limiting it to them expanding it. So if the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl came out like tomorrow and said, "Hey, we're still going to keep ties with the previous Pac-12 schools, but we also want to throw out the Big 12," like they are also an option. What happens with Oregon State and Washington State if they end up like having terrific seasons going through the Mountain West? How do you decide to choose them versus one of these other Pac-12 former Pac-12 schools that are playing in the Big Ten and the Big 12? Yeah, or what if like San Diego State's like nine and three, and the Sun Bowl really wants San Diego State or something? But Do they're, they not, but they're no, they're Mountain West, exactly. But that's where things get dicey, and that's where things get very, very confusing. And and so to your point, I still think there's a lot of work to do on this. I feel like twenty four and twenty five will still be the way it's been. Twenty six on, that's when everything changes. Right. I, I have a question. If if the Pac twelve is adopting the Mountain West schools, are they all just becoming the Pac twelve? And the mount- I and think the- in two years they will. I don't think I feel like based on this bowl situation, this bowl scenario, that would possibly be the case starting in twenty twenty six. So then, what happens to the Mountain West Conference? Do they goes have to away? Fi- it goes away. It it dissolves. So it's not getting filled. I don't think so. Because then you have to start asking. You know, I mean, there's you know, like I remember when all these first realignment talks started happening. There was like, okay, well, if the Pac-12 takes on all these new teams and then the Mountain West yeah. has all these voids in them, you know, and if we as UTEP have good seasons of the next couple seasons, like can we go to the Mountain West? Right. Or are we staying in Conference USA? Is it going to look different? Are there going to be way more FBS teams now because there's, you know, uh, bigger conferences and our team's going to move up? And I, I don't have any answers for you, Steve. I don't either. All I know is if I was UTEP, I would try to cherry pick from the American Athletic, the Mountain West, Conference USA, build a kick-ass new league, and uh, make this something that everybody wants to be a part of and, and start your own league. That's our ticket, Steve. That's what we're going to do. I like that. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. What do you think, AJ? you think we can make that happen? No, but I like it. I, I like the I like the thought. I, it, UTEP needs to get better in order they for do. them to be in this conversation. Everybody else will be invited except for UTEP in that's, that case. Yeah, that's usually they'll the way invite Kennesaw work. State and Delaware first. Whoa, okay. Adrian's taking shots, shots from fired back there. From yeah. Adrian, I Adrian's like taking. I forgot shots we have a there. UTEP student athlete here. Uh, no, nah, you didn't forget a single thing. Seventeen pass. Let's go to Charlie One and get ourselves this traffic update. Around this year, it's softball. It's time. It's time to finally. 
get that program where it needs to be, and that's going in the right direction. Yeah, and uh, for TJ Hubbard, this has got to be the year, really. I mean, it it, this is this has got to be the winning season. You know, Alberto Reta was telling us that he likes their arms. He, he was uh, on the ESPN Plus broadcast uh, all weekend long uh, calling the action. So he said he likes some of their pitching that they've got this year, and that's where it starts, right? I mean, you, you know better than anyone, Steve, that if, in softball, it really matters what kind of staff that you have out there, your starters, yep. your pitching, all your bullpen, what you what you have out there uh, for that, because hitters will come, but uh, pitching that's a little tougher to find. Look, they're four and one right now. Okay, so here's what they've done. Let's look at this. They beat Western Michigan five one, then they beat Abilene Christian four to one. Then they got beat the next day from Western Michigan ten nothing in five. Okay, they got run ruled. They beat Monmouth seven four, and they beat Abilene Christian twelve nothing. So after one bad clunker, they've had good games from their starters. Now, granted, you know, Western Michigan, Abilene Christian, Monmouth, this is not Conference USA we're talking about. This is lesser, this is early season competition is what it is. And that's, and I understand that, and I'm fine with that. But, you know, in the past, they usually only had one good starter. And this was the Dr. Diana Natalicio Memorial Tournament presented by the Holiday Inn West Sunland Park. So, Excited about that, but here's your litmus test, okay? They host New Mexico tomorrow on Valentine's Day uh, in a doubleheader, 2 o'clock and 4 o'clock at Helen of Troy Softball Complex. That'll give us a better indication because New Mexico and UTIP are similar in terms of programs. That'll give us a better indication of what we we should look forward to this season. Yeah, I feel like again, this is the season for UTEP softball. If you ever looked at a season, it's now. TJ Hubbard's had his time to recruit the right team that he wants around him. I mean, he had the challenges of the pandemic right when he was hired. So uh, this is really that class. You talk about juniors, seniors right there. This is the group right here that needs to get it done. So uh, it's a good start, albeit against uh, you know opponents that you expect to beat. So let's see what they could do against the team who's probably on their level maybe a little better yeah speaking from a fan perspective you know in the football team who's made it a point to go out and try and support as many sports as we can right now in our off season uh, we've they've had a good attendance at the past couple of games they've been fun to watch um, shout out to Ashlyn Allen who's one of my really good friends plays center field um, you know she had a home run in one of the recent games and you know one of the main things is we you know from last season was just the pitching staff and having people that could come in there and you know control games so that when the when the batters do put up points that you get wins on the scorecard um, and and now that they have a pitching staff and and I think that they can do some really good things this year. Um, it's going to be exciting for those have, that have not been out to a softball game. Go! It's it's a lot of fun, and and they've had good attendance. It's been a great atmosphere. I'm excited to see what happens with them this year. Let's talk for a minute about student athletes and the camaraderie between all of you. I always wonder about that because I feel like a lot of the student athletes get to know each other. You're all very supportive. You went to the basketball game, you go to a lot of games, you go to the softball games, they go watch you play. It seems like really everybody has each other's back at this school. Yeah, I, I think that happens 100%. And one of the things that helps that out a lot, um, there's a few sports that are uh, you know kind of exempt from this a little bit because they have their own facilities and things like that. But in the LKD, the training room, mm-hmm. it's kind of that one place and the weight room too, but where 
everybody uses that weight room and that training room. My basketball is a little bit different, but they're they're in there a decent amount and whatnot. But like that's kind of where you get to congregate, and it, that's kind of the the locker room type of like camaraderie that people talk about, where it's not like you know formally meeting someone here or seeing someone there. It's just kind of like hey, we're hanging out in the training room, we're you know taking care of our bodies and this that whatever, and then you start you know kind of shooting it with the person that's on the softball team or the track team or whatever, and the next thing you know, you're like oh I had a you know twenty thirty minute conversation with them. I enjoy them. I know them as a person. And then when you go out and you get to watch them, you have a different sense of support for them because there's a little bit more of a person behind the player. Do you feel like the, what what can improve? Because that's the only place to congregate. You're saying for the LKD, is it like Welcome Week? Maybe more events around that? Is it the dorms? You know, having more kind of like open house or hey, free lunch or you know, free dinner and stuff like that. Let's have all the student athletes come out and meet each other. Like, what ways can this improve? Because I think that's actually a really good thing for athletes to hang out with each other. Yeah, I think it's a. I I can't understate how much I think it's important for athletes to hang out um, across all different sports because you know there, there's a there it's a lot more fun than you know sometimes athletes make it out to be like I enjoy going and watching the softball games the volleyball games the tennis matches you know all the basketball games like all those things are really exciting and fun for just people who are athletes and like to have sports but to answer your question Adrian like yeah like I think like some events or or things that are fun to do whether it's just you know like going out and eating it doesn't have to be forced and like some super artificial you know meet and greet kind of thing but just getting all the athletes in the same area is something that's really cool because it's different like you see the people on your team every day all the time but it's cool knowing that you're like hey that's the basketball player that's out there that you know like I talked to this week and they have 26 points right now and it you know and and how cool is that I know them kind of thing and it's cool to have that bond within the building so definitely some events um just you know kind of and it's also a personal thing like going out of your way in order just to go talk somebody make a friendship those kind of things it can go a long way in the sports world and you like athletes i mean that's just what it comes down to i mean you like sports you enjoy being around athletes i mean when you have downtime and and it's not much between everything you're doing now learning a whole new system your schoolwork if you can get a chance to go watch a game, I mean, that's something uh, that's something you enjoy doing. Plus, you're a student, so you get free admission into anything you want to watch. Yeah, I, and, and like I said, like the atmospheres at some of the games, like I didn't know anything about going and watching tennis matches until some of the football players went and we watched them kind of thing. Like, yeah, I've watched tennis on TV and I've gone, but I can't tell you how many tennis matches I've ever gone to watch. But like when you know the people that are playing and you can go and support, like it adds a whole different dimension to it. And then that's part of the thing that like I've come on here and kind of done with you guys like yes I want to do sports broadcasting and radio and things like that and that's like what I want to do for my career but I also think it's just cool to be an athlete come on here and kind of give inside access to that like I think as the course over the semester like I'd love to bring in more athletes from different sports to come in and just talk so that way some of the people that listen can kind of just get to know more of the person that's kind of behind out on the court or field. Do you feel like the transfer portal hurts the friendship making process with all these different sports and student athletes i i do and uh, uh there's it's more than just yes but my answer is yes in the sense that like it's no different than having a friend you know that you've had your entire life and then a friend that you've met recently like you know you could still have great relationships with people that you've met more recently but like the the guys that i grew up playing peewee football with and then somehow we were still on the same high school team i have a friend his name is giovanni de leon shout out Gio. i was on 
eighth grade and seventh grade uh, Pop Warner with him. And then we played on every single high school team together. And then we went to Juco together. And it was like, we have played on the same football team for so long. Like, there's no way we don't have a good relationship and things like that. And then when you just put that into perspective, like, yeah, like I, there's a lot of guys on this new football team that are new. And I like a lot of them. Like, they're, they're great dudes. But I don't know them as well yet. So you kind of got to restart that process and you got to get to know them again. And then, you know, you eventually, you know, just on a sports team, you end up becoming close. Like, there's always going to be camaraderie. But the transfer portal does hurt that a little bit because instead of having the guys that you've stuck it out with for years, you may have a guy that you're sticking it out with for a year. Makes sense. All right, final 30 minutes next, right after Adrian and this Sports Center update. Much uh, bottom of the hour now as we continue. By the way, found out this yesterday. So UTEP is going to be throwing out those Texas Western throwback basketball jerseys. They're coming to the bookstore possibly this week. People are excited about that. As a student athlete, how much do you look forward to your bookstore carrying merch that fans can buy and show up to games wearing, whether it's a replica jersey other colors. For you as a student athlete, how big a deal is it to know that your school has quality merch for fans to get uh, to get, you know, and, and own? It's a really big deal because I mean, that's the type of stuff that like when you were a little kid, you know what I mean? You wore somebody else's jersey and then to see somebody else like in your jersey, you're wearing your merch or doing something like that and like knowing that they're supporting you, especially when it's somebody that maybe you don't directly know or that you've only met once or something like that. And then you see somebody that like is a fan of you enough to go out and buy something that has your name or your number on it and get that support like that. That's a really big deal. And it's even better when someone actually like takes the time after a football game to like call you out and be like, hey, like and you know point to their shirt or something you get to go take a picture with them like those little things mean just as much for the athlete if not more than it does for the fan i promise you that and and the fans though also appreciate the fact that they can actually wear something that they see during game times i mean those texas western unis they wore saturday were sweet and if you've got a replica jersey that looks exactly like it other than the adidas mark i mean fans are going to eat that stuff up 100 percent. i know i love to wear the gear like i'm never the guy that like tries to that shows up and stuff like not supporting in colors or gear or everything else like i'm a total gear guy if i if i could show up like head to toe in a basketball uniform to a game then then sign me up are you bigger wearing jerseys that have stitched numbers and letters or do you like this almost they almost look like they're heat pressed or ironed on i'm i'm it's like the tackle tool numbers that are sewn on i'm I'm a huge tackle tool guy i remember like growing up in the baseball like in youth baseball and stuff like i remember my dad who would coach all the teams like he had a sportswear guy that did his uh school uniforms for pe Mm -hmm. but all of our uniforms were tackle twill and like everybody else's was pressed on or whatever else we always look super official but it's the little details like that that like the nicer sewn on stuff always going to be better than the heat press stuff that's what i figured let's go back to the phones right now oh we lost fernie shoot i wanted to bring fernie on and i know you have some good questions so fernie if you're listening call us back we'll get you up and uh, bring you on the program because it sounds like you had a couple of good topics to talk about between utep and uh, sunday's big one uh, super bowl 58 505 6009 that is our telephone number as we continue here on sports talk if there was one UTEP clothing item that you like it's your number one thing that you feel like fans would just completely love like what's your go-to what's your is it a hoodie is it a replica jersey is it uh something else like what is your favorite 
piece of of UTEP merch to wear that you think fans would just love if they could own it too? Okay, so I'll, I'll give you a couple answers because it's hard to choose just one. But like something to wear to a game. Like I, I love wearing football jerseys. I have, I have a Tom Brady jersey. I have a Lamar Jackson jersey. I have a Justin Herbert jersey, and like I love wearing those on game day. I think it's awesome. Okay. Um. So, so that's that's probably my number one as far as like games go. Like I think a football jersey is awesome, especially like a really nice one that yep. that looks good. Um. But I will say like I have our bookstore is elite. Like yeah, I I love it. And I went in there right before I left for break, uh, b- before winter break, and I got a camo hoodie, like the military edition hoodie. It is the warmest, best hoodie I have in my entire closet right now. And then I got like a cor- all-white quarter zip um, from the bookstore that was just an Adidas one that said UTEP on it, and I love it. I wear them like way too much. There's probably a- everyone every time people see me, I'm probably wearing one of those two things, mm-hmm. but it's awesome. Like those, You've got your favorites. Yeah, I-, I have my favorites, and like they're too versatile. You know, like if I want to like still, look clean but like i'm not going to wear a collared shirt or something like that like i'm going to put on the utep white quarter zip like it looks clean enough or if i want to be warm i'm going to wear that camo hoodie i have my things so we took the utep black uh we had we actually owned adrian and i we each had a a black quarter zip we ended up getting the logo on that we we got them embroidered took them to took them to vegas and then adrian hit the columbia store and we got these navy blue fleece quarter zips that we also embroidered out wore them uh, that week and and it was fantastic could not have been a better look over at radio row i love it i you know what i really could use it i don't have it's crazy but they never issued them to us in this past year because it wasn't part of our travel package or anything is a utep polo i still do not have a utep polo really they're full of them in the bookstore but i haven't gone and made the purchase maybe just in hopes that you know football is going to give One us of these, a polo so you're telling me that none of so in the two years you've been at utep none of the players have ever been um not say awarded, but issued is the best way to put it. Right. Issued a UTEP polo. Not in the 22 or 23 season. In 21, I believe they did. I don't know if it was, I don't think it was part of the New Mexico Bowl like gear package, um, but I know that the year before me, I'm pretty sure everybody had polos. Yeah, because I'm thinking Gavin Hardison and Praise Amelie. Like those two guys have a UTEP polo, but that's unfair that you don't. Uh, let me ask you this, Cade. What's your favorite jersey you own or you've ever owned? As far as like just across sports yeah, and across, across the board. All sports. Wow, that's such a good question. I honestly think Okay, okay, I'll I'll, I'll give you two. I'll give you two cuz it's hard to pick one. I have a all white Angels jersey that I have worn for I can't tell you how long. I think I stole it out of dad's closet way back when. But it's an all white Angels jersey. I don't think there's a number on the back. If the logo is white, the, like the actual Angels logo is white, no, or no, is that like that's right? It's the it's their home jerseys, uh, where or away, away, okay. uh, home, no home, home, home. Home, home is getting, always white in baseball. Yes, away yes. is the gray or right. the other colors. Right. Okay. I always have to flop that in my head. Got in football, it. but um, yeah, it's the white jersey with the red lettering. Yep. There's no number on the back. I wish it was a Jared Weaver jersey. That's my favorite picture of all time, right there. Oh, I love Jared Weaver. Yeah, I love Jared Weaver too. Long Beach State alum. Home, oh, yeah. My hometown, just Angels. It's just he's the best. Um, but that's that's like my childhood favorite jersey. And then for the last uh, five years, you know, I've had Lamar Jackson on my fantasy team, and I remember um, my girlfriend had gotten me a, a Lamar Jackson jersey, and I have I love that Lamar Jackson jersey. It's the black one. It's the black Ravens jersey. I feel like I would love a white or a purple one too, but but those are my two go tos for sure. I like the fact that for you, your jerseys are about your favorite players, not necessarily about a favorite team. Correct, because I'm like I mean, yes, the Angels are my team that I've been a fan of the longest, but like I have a Justin Herbert jersey, and I I love that jersey, and that char- the Chargers are my team the whole way. But 
like I feel like when you're wearing the jersey, it's also about like the person you are watching. You know, yeah. that's fair. It's so interesting because I have a bunch of Jet jerseys because I'm a Jets fan. The only jersey in the NFL that I own, other than a Jets jersey, is a white Aaron Jones 33 that I got right after he was uh, right after he came into the NFL. I, I, I want to expand my jersey collection. We should both do the same thing, Steve. We, you need to expand, too. I know I it's, agree. it's tough, but we got, we got to do it. You know what the worst part is, though, is that if fans want to own and wear like a UTEP gamer, it is the tightest fitting jersey of all time. Like, you can't wear it out because it's designed to be tight with shoulder pads, and even if you're just wearing it, it, it's not comfortable. It's not fun. No. Wait, those aren't the ones that you buy in the bookstore. No, though, no, no. Right? I'm talking yeah. about the gamers. Like, no, yeah, if yeah. you were to say to somebody, hey, I want to give you my gamer jersey, right. you're not wearing it, and if you're wearing it, it's not going to be a comfortable experience. No, no. You better wear it like over like a hoodie when it's cold or something like that so that way you can like kind of tuck it up and stuff because it has the elastic to make sure that you know it's not flopping around everywhere. And That's things right. Like that. Like, no, like jerseys are not comfortable to wear if they're not on shoulder pads. And even if they're on shoulder pads, they're not, they're not comfortable a lot of the time. But no, it's true. It's, it's, it's designed so that people can't grab it and bring you down. It's supposed to try to be as form-fitting as it's going to get. Right, exactly. And then you, they even tape jerseys onto the pads to make sure they don't move around too much when they're grabbing and get all out of sorts. So, Yeah, that's true. Do you, now, do your jerseys as a quarterback, are your sleeves more loose than the other team or the other players where the jersey for the sleeves are like super tight and fit right on their arms? So I wish that I, I mean, I know other schools may do it. I don't think we do that here as far as tailoring like the jersey fit to the quarterback. If I could, I would wear it how like Kyler Murray and Lamar and a lot of the guys in the NFL wear, where it has like the loose elastic on exactly. the arm, so it's not grabbing onto it and it's not rubbing like when you're throwing. Yes. it still covers the shoulder pad and stuff. But those guys like jerseys are like tailor fit to them. I always have wanted to like tr- at least know what that feels like because sometimes like there's jerseys that just don't they don't fit right or they're yeah. not they're not perfect and you kind of just live with it. But like if I could, yeah, I would have no elastic on the arms. All right, I hope the Adidas rep for El Paso is listening. And if you are, please make sure that when you come to UTEP for your jerseys this season, you make sure that uh, we could try to give Cade more of a, a custom fit jersey for his throwing arm and please. a polo and a polo. While you're at it, yes, please bring him the polo. Too. That would be so cool. That would be really cool. All right, when we come back. Final countdown. We're going to wrap this one up, so stay with us. Sports Talk continues, 600 ESPN El Paso.